0: This is an interview on July 5th, 2020, with drummer Jeremy Kling by Nick Prakel. Now, Jeremy, can you give me an introduction on yourself as a musician?
1: Uh, well, I guess the sweet and condensed version is uh, I started playing drums at about two. My dad started me quite early, and from there, I, I played all the way up. Like, when families would go and do church on Sunday, I would... Play drums on the weekend with my dad. My dad was a guitar player. I grew up playing. My brother, uh, who is six years older than me, uh, also plays drums and and bass, amongst other things. And uh, we just grew up playing, playing, playing. And then at 16, you know, finally joined a band. I mean, I had actually been playing punk and stuff like that at about 13 with my buddies and stuff. Uh, 16, I joined a band. And then 20 years old, I joined the Absence and. A year later, we were signed to Metal Blade Records, and then it all started basically there. That's when the, the whole, I'm doing the Ronald Reagan finger quotes by saying it, I became a professional musician at 20. So,
0: Can you tell me about the cast of characters that fill out the lineup of four, and also speak about their musical tastes?
1: Uh, well, we have Brian Singer.
0: Um, He's in a band called Old James.
1: Um, he also filled in for Skullfist, which is a pretty cool like 80s rock metal they're a sweet band his brother is a great drummer and he actually filled in in skull fist as well and they are both in old james um and then speezy of course is was the bass player and creator for 25 years um taylor and i had toured with speezy a few years back taylor was playing bass in uh, soil work and i was doing front of house and tour management for uh sepultura and we were out with Creator. And that's where we met uh, Speezy. Um, so then, fast forward to the quarantine. Taylor and I are pretty much crazy people, and we're really crazy. I like think about it, and I'm like, wow, I think we are like um, actually, we're actually like insane people. <laughs> like I say it often, I'm like, this is fucking not normal, man. Well, okay, so like the quarantine hit, and we had enough to do, and I was like, hey, man, uh, we should make a song today. We should write, record mix master and release it all in one day and we have to live stream to hold ourselves accountable and he was like yes great it was saturday and he was like let's call it let's do slam saturday we'll do like suffocation style i'm like perfect yes let's go so he wrote a song on guitar i played drums he played the bass i wrote some lyrics did the vocals boom i mixed it mastered it threw it online it was a pretty decent success so then it was like oh, fuck yeah, two days later, let's go ahead and do another one. So let's do a Swedish death metal. And then uh, styled one in, like, a, like HM2 worship. So we wrote a tune, and we had the singer for Entrails, obviously a Swedish death metal guy. We had him sing on it. And we also grabbed the bass player. Well, he's the bass player we got is Johnny Pedersen, and he's, like, in many bands. He's a singer, he's a guitar player, he's, he's many things, multi-instrumentalist. And uh, those guys, we wrote it in the morning... Uh, Taylor and I did our parts and we shipped it over to Europe and they shipped it back over to us and I mixed, mastered it, threw it online, boom, done. Crocodile, done deal. Moved on and then of course we were like, wow, obviously we have to do more. So we wrote 10 more different styles that we wanted to do on a storyboard and we started reaching out to musicians. And through the course of that project, uh, Speezy and Brian were amongst some of the musicians. So we knew that they could... Not only deliver within a day, but they were also, you know, talented musicians. And how the, how the punk band came about was last summer, uh, Taylor and I were sitting around, and I'm like, dude, there's no good punk bands out anymore that I want to listen to. I was like, we need to start a punk band. You know, this is pretty much how it all starts. Is I'll be I'll have an idea or he'll have an idea. It's like, let's make a punk band. And then he went and wrote seven songs. And then the next night he wrote six or seven more. And then we decided to do a cover. So that sat shelf last summer because I was touring and he was touring. We were we were quite busy. Quarantine hit. It was like let's do the uh, let's do the punk band, you know. So I did that after the quarantine project. I recorded all the drums for the punk album, and then we already knew that we had a a treasure trove of musicians that we knew we could reach out to. And uh, Speezy is actually a big punk fan that we learned. So he actually played bass on the hardcore song we did. His bass was killer and you know he actually started contributing to the band like right away within a day we had sent him the songs and he'd already sent us songs back with bass already on it so it just kind of like flew it flew off the shelf you know it was like uh it was it's a pretty sweet working environment it moved really quickly and everything is uh pretty easy with that punk with the punk
0: band okay now i noticed in a number of places you and taylor worked together on mixing and mastering a lot of albums together how did that relationship come together
1: I played in a band called Infernion.
0: I was a, a hired gun in that band.
1: Both of the guitar players had quit, and uh, Brian Warner had found Taylor and the other guitar player, Steve, and they had went, they had went to school together in Orlando. They were close by, so uh, I, met, I met him when he was 19, and we rehearsed, and we did a record together, and him and I really gelled um, well. Really gelled well. Uh, really gelled well. And we've gotten along for, for years. We got along, and I was like, man, you know, kind of like you meet a good, you meet someone if you're a musician, you meet someone, you're like, fuck, this is a great musician. Like, we, you know, we finish each other's sentences, which is not easy to find, you know, I mean, you know, what with any, with any relationship. And um, we hit it off, right? And then he had moved back to Bowlesburg. He lives in Pennsylvania, that's where his family lives. And about five years ago, he was kind of doing like a, he was stuck in a circle. He was working at a bar doing uh, live sound. He'd went to school at Full Sail, so he had recording training and uh, formal training. And I'm like, dude, he was doing a bar band thing, too. And I'm like, dude, why don't you just move down here? Fuck it. I'll put you up. You don't have to have a job. Let's just write music and work on the studio. And, you know, five years later, here we are. And as a matter of fact, we just went out today. We're scouting property with my wife. We're looking into buying 19 acres, and on this 19 acres, they already have two 30-foot by 60-foot, 30-foot uh, ceiling steel uh, buildings already out there that are they're all insulated already. They're just, I mean, it will take some work. I guess he's like my, uh, what did he say? Uh, I've heard people call it, like, uh, it's my heterosexual life mate right there. That's my boy. He, you know, I have a, actually a, a, a bit of a falling out with my own brother, uh, my actual brother, and Taylor is more of my blood brother than my actual blood brother. I actually count him as my actual brother. All my children call him Uncle Taylor. They actually call him Uncle Teets, but that's a really funny story as well, which I can get into that if you want. But uh, we're like, uh, you know, partners in the in the truest sense. You know, we work together, live together, and in in all of those years that we've lived together and been friends, not even at one point have we had some argument or like. There's been no ruffled feathers ever, which is pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. I think that's pretty special, you know.
0: What was your philosophy when it came to creating the Smoke and Mirrors recording studio? And was Taylor a part of that, or was that all you? Uh,
1: That was me. um, And the theory of it is everything is bullshit anyways. Um, We just, you know, we make up everything anyways, and you could take a turd and polish it and make it good. So, I mean, in reality, it's all Smoke and Mirrors. It's all an illusion, right? So... Like a drum set sounding like it's in a cave. Obviously, that's that's an illusion. So I was struggling making a studio name uh, when I was making a studio, and this is back when I was. Uh, I used to hang out a lot with Jonah Shogren from uh, over there in Sweden. I was like, "What do you think of the name Smoke and Mirrors?" And he goes, "Yes, I love it. It's perfect. Yes, you know." So I was like, "All right, well, fuck it. I'm gonna stick with that, and that's the uh, your name." All right, it's been cool to have that name. I think it's pretty fitting still. You know, all these years later, I mean, it's, I think it's been 12 years or something or something like that. 13 years, maybe something.
0: Now, what have been some of the more recent albums you've been working on there?
1: Uh, well, I just tracked the drums for the new Venom record. Um, I did enough for a double album. If we do that, I did enough for I did enough for two records. So whether or not we lower we, you know, shrink that down or if we do two records, I don't know. The, the Jeff and Tony over there, Mantis and Demolition Man, have written some really great stuff. And uh, I just finished tracking that. I did that after the punk band. Right before that, all this uh, COVID crap hit. I did the drums for the new Massacre record. And then we tracked all the guitars for the new Massacre record. The guitar player for The Absence, I had done played drums on his solo project, Joey Concepcion. And uh, I got something else coming up here in the next couple weeks, but I can't talk about it yet because there's no announcement. But uh, needless to say, I'm pretty honored that I was asked to play drums on a... On a record, so I'll be a guest musician. I mean, I may end up doing some subsequent touring with the guys, but uh, I'm not sure. But we'll see how that goes.
0: What are some of your favorite punk or punk albums?
1: I'm a big Pennywise fan. I also like No Effects, Black Flag, of course. You know, I liked a lot of like the like the popular skate punk bands. You know, to be honest, I wasn't really like an underground crusty guy that smelled like piss and beer and. Uh, You know, I I was never I was never like that. I kind of liked a bit more like the prim and proper stuff that just made me want to skate fast and hit a wall and not give a shit about it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like your lag wagons and, you know, stuff like that. Pennywise was a big one for me. I I loved it because they were like so aggressively fast and hostile, you know, which which in when essence in essence is like the same as, you know, let's say, uh, you know, Exodus or any of the Bay Area bands. I mean, it was kind of like the same feel, that California vibe was just go fast and turn right.
0: With Speezy, your bassist, being in Germany and Brian being in Canada and you and Taylor in Florida, what is it like composing a song?
1: Well, I mean, with today's today's age, I mean, you can just go ahead and you can play something to a click and then send it over to the guy and then the next guy just does his thing and then the next guy does his thing and then all of a sudden you have a song. It's not like a, the traditional sense of writing together. That would be pretty sweet. But, um, you know, it basically is Taylor or Speezy will write a uh, write a riff and then Taylor will record it and record it and then I'll play drums and then we'll send it over to Speezy and then Speezy do his bit and then we'll send it over to Brian and Brian will do his bit. And, uh, and then if there's any suggestions on any end of the map, like, oh, let's, uh, you know, maybe let's go to the... Uh, D-sharp here, you know, or let, let's go maybe try uh, this melody here, then let's do that. Then then that's it. And then we just present it to the group and it's like, cool, good. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. It gives me that feeling.
0: I guess, speaking realistically, what are some things that you need to happen to pave the way to getting 4 featured on like a festival concert date or other live appearance?
1: Uh, I mean, really, you just we need to have this first record out, which um, uh, we had about a month, month and a half of delay due to some computer issues, I mean, which everybody can probably relate that there's nothing you can really do. You're just kind of screwed if your computer goes. And we had to, we, Apple muscled us out of our old uh, G5 tower. So they, they called it like the cheese grater. We got muscled out of that. We had to buy a new computer. We bought a new computer. And of course, Pro Tools uh, doesn't work with that operating system that we own. So we had to cross grade the, the Pro Tools. And then of course, we had to upgrade all of our plugins, you know, to go. So, just it's been about a month and a half of woes so we're back to uh, we're back to operating form here which is so now we're now we're running full speed at getting this record mixed and mastered and it's, it's pretty sweet we can tag team I, I have this interview with you so I was like uh, I was smack in the middle of doing something and I'm like yeah he was like listening to some mixes I'm like cool pop in and uh, do those little changes you want to make and then by the time I'm off this interview I'll be back and we'll move on to the next thing. Pretty symbiotic working relationship there. Again, I mean, that goes back to how sweet it is to have a partner to be able to tag in and out, especially when doing any type of computer stuff, because my mind gets melted after like six, seven hours at a computer. I'm like, blah, ah, I start singing really strange songs to myself, basically. And <laughs> I wouldn't fend well in an office setting, I don't think, because people would be like, wow, that guy's crazy.
0: I guess, tell me about the track that you were working on today.
1: Well, I just did actually three today. The last one I just did was a pretty sweet it's a A and a B. There's one riff and then another riff. And it's about a minute and ten second song. It's pretty violent and it's like really like really really aggressive shit. And we're trying to mix it to where it sounds like I don't know, sounds like how it's supposed to sound, you know, like that was something that was cool about that quarantine project because that one where we did the all-in-one all is what it actually we called it. And that we signed that to uh, Blood Blast, which is a subsidiary label to uh, Nuclear Blast. It's their digital label. It's called All-in-One. It was cool with that because, I mean, like we did a Motorhead song. So that gave us creative liberty to mix like Motorhead. Uh, or we did a Florida death metal song, and we chose uh, like Cannibal Corpse style. That allowed us to mix like, you know, Cannibal Corpse circa 95, which had a certain sound so then you can like go for those sounds it's a, and it was a real creative license to be like well that sounds like cannibal corpse and it's like well yeah i mean it's supposed to it doesn't sound like cannibal corpse now because they're down tuned to like drop z and they're like really heavy and you know i like where cannibal corpse is, has where they've went to but they don't play like they did in you know 96 they're not writing like the bleeding or you know butcher of birth any of that shit so So we were able to mix like that, which is pretty awesome. So this punk band has like a a really hostile early 90s feel to it, which is pretty cool. The song we did today was, well, the the three songs I did today are all, they all give me that same feeling of like, you know, angst and aggression and which I mean, I still have that at um, 38 years old in September. I'm still pissed off. I still listen to death metal like uh, I had all my kids over for. Fourth of july yesterday and one of them was like do you think you're gonna listen to death metal when you're 70 i was like yeah 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 it's not a fashion you know i don't i was playing Mushuga uh, and gojira live at you know some festivals some summer festivals and we were watching on the tv while everyone was just hanging out and you know was doing their thing and they're like you think you're gonna listen to it when you're 70 i'm like yeah i mean of course and it's not a fashion." I'm, I'm a damn lifer, I just like this shit, you know, I'm I'm still angry, you know. <laughs> Every time I sit down to play, you know, like Death Metal, I'm like, it gives me that feeling, I'm like, hell yeah, again, smash into a wall, you know, go really fast and turn right.
0: I really dug what's right for you, can you paint the picture on how that track came together?
1: Uh, again, you know, same thing, we just, um, Taylor wrote a song, and then I think I tracked the drums for the whole record, I I think in a, I think in two days, I did everything and it was just, I didn't pre write anything. It was just like whatever I felt on drums, I just went ahead and played. Sent that over to the guys and they did their thing. Now, if you're asking like a lyrical thing, that would be all Brian, which I can for sure link you two guys up and he could be able to uh, really express. uh, And Brian is like maybe one of the biggest sweethearts I've ever met in the entire music industry. He's a great dude. Good, good guy. Fun to talk to. And uh, he just has a blast no matter where he's at. But he could probably help out a lot more as far as, like, lyrics and, you know, the creative end of it as far as that goes.
0: Okay, now, out of the four songs that you have that you have released, which one is your favorite and why?
1: Man, What's Right For You is great. You know, it, what's also crazy about that, too, is I have many kids. I have five total. Typically, like, they hear dad's music all the time. I mean, all the damn time. It's like you can't escape, uh, escape it. You can't. You just it's around my nine-year-old daughter. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old daughter. My nine-year-old is very much into Billie Eilish. And, uh, oh, what's that other young lady? She likes, uh, Ariana Grande, and you know, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. No, she doesn't like that. She's, she doesn't really like heavy stuff at all. She's not really interested in it, but this band, she loves four. like, I'll, I played what's right for you. And she's like, like she's like, I love this song. I think this is my favorite song, and I'm like, oh really? Like, unprompted. You know, typically they don't butter dad up just to butter dad up. I mean, I'm dad. The, the neighbor may think I'm awesome or whatever. Any fans may think that I'm awesome, but I'm I'm for sure dad to them. You know, so they don't like you know, and they don't church anything up for me. But she's like, was singing lyrics and everything. She's like, I love it. It's my favorite song, and I'm like, really. All right, I was like, okay, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I would say that tune is that, that has a special little spot for me. Also I really think pet is fucking killer. The, the message in the tune is pretty cool too. It, it's you know basically it's saying that you know you don't have to sell yourself short for you know for a guy like from a, a bit of like a lady's perspective at least that's my interpretation on it. Brian may have something else uh, you know in his pipe about it, but that, that's what it, that's what it feels like to me. I was just gonna say you don't have to be a uh, you don't have to sell yourself short. It's, I can I kind of think it's the basis of that, and that and the how the tune moves uh, gives me a cool feeling.
0: Okay, now I guess when is the next uh, single coming out for the album, or what's like just because it's like it's great hearing those four songs, but it's kind of like, come on, you know, I need something more, you know.
1: Yeah, I think. Um... I think, you know, due to our computer stuff, it would have been out a month ago. Um, so it's going to be really, realistically, it's going to be any day now. I mean, depending on when you post this, uh, this interview, it might already be out by then. Because I know that we're, I just did three today, and I think that Taylor had done like two or three yesterday. So we already have, I think we're almost all the way done. I already designed the album cover too. I worked with a, um, a British artist that we know uh, named Abby, uh, Abby Stabby actually, and uh, is her is her Instagram handle, and she does these really killer caricatures. I commissioned her to do something pretty killer for this, and then I designed the rest of the album cover for us. I, it's pretty much ready to go, and then we'll uh, we'll probably throw the whole thing up on you know Spotify and iTunes, and we'll be up and rolling. We're going to do the first one DIY, and then maybe the second one, because Taylor's already written 20 more songs. <laughs> it's, 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 again, like I said, between Taylor and Speezy, they're writing machines, so that's pretty killer.
0: Tell me your, Three most cherished albums in your music collection relating to Teutonic thrash metal.
1: I'm not the biggest thrash fan. Uh, Bay Area or, you know, I kind of like, I kind of lean more towards like Swedish thrash. I I was always more of like a Swedish death metal musician or anything like that. Or I was actually more of like a death metal musician. Musically speaking, I I always dug that. But but I guess I'd have to say, um, what's that Destruction album? Um, I'm drawing a blank. Infernal Overkill is that uh
0: yeah that's, that's a good right?
1: one. Okay, so uh, I'll take that one because um, let's be honest, uh, those guys Mike and uh, Schmier. Uh, Schmier are just there's something else, man. They were really onto something. Uh, let me let me consider. I liked a lot of creators' phobia and you know that stuff. I I always dug that stuff too. I guess I'd say uh you know pleasure to kill of course that's a great one. Let's go with the... Uh, was never a tankard fan and that's okay i just played with him down at a a festival about a year ago down in south america which was pretty sweet we actually did two shows with him that was pretty cool i think that might be it for me i think you stumped me here because i'm not like a i'm not super big on i'm not super big on german thrash so
0: okay that's that's cool um so i guess um what is your most hallowed possession that deals with music
1: I guess it'd have to be uh, my hands because
0: <laughs> without them I would not be able to play
1: drums. Either that or my drum set, that's what I'm thinking. I don't really, I'm not really much of a, uh, I mean I have some cool memorabilia and stuff like that, but the, the reality is the, being able to play it is, it's, it's a pretty large honor. I used to say that regularly to my wife, like I'm like, I just can't believe that I can sit down to a drum set and make that stuff come out. I, I like i'm eternally grateful for that ability and as a matter of fact a lot of the times i'm like it's a stupid human trick you know it's like a, it's like juggling or something like that i mean it, in essence it's like the same thing you know you're you spend time and you get really good at juggling like i have a buddy of mine he can juggle chainsaws that are you know while something is on fire and like when you see that and you're like damn like that's pretty killer and in the end you know it's just that's a that's a parlor trick or like a stupid human trick so i guess i'd say yeah it's my drumming i would say uh, that's probably my the the ability to play you know the fact that i have that i have that Uh, i think that would be my my most cherished cherished possession from the from music is the ability to do it
0: would you like to go back to any questions
1: no not in particular there was nothing that poked out at me i I did a whole, whole gob of talking, you know, sometimes I get a bit long winded because I'm, I really am passionate about anything musical. I'm really thankful that anybody cares about anything that I'm doing. I'm like honored with that as well. I mean, there's, I think of Van Gogh. I mean, he spent his whole life and career without, you know, in total like solitude. Uh, No one really knew except for his brother, I think was the only person that knew he was like an artist. Uh, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that he was, a I think he he died with and then then he got famous or then he became sought after so my wife's an artist and uh and she's like you know your industry is interesting because you're afforded to be an artist and have almost instant gratification as far as like you know slapbacks now some musicians pass away and then we learn about them but like, like artists like they paint in obscurity and then they pass away and then all of a sudden you know who the hell they are so i, I guess i'm Because I'm pretty honored that anybody gives a shit what I have to say. (laughs) Just a a dad from Spring Hill, you know what I'm saying?
0: Final words.
1: So long and thanks for all the fish.
0: (laughs) This has been an interview on July 5th, 2020 with drummer Jeremy Kling by Nick Percow.